Church, praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you guys for being here and being a part of what God is doing. If we could stand to our feet, our feet. Hallelujah. We're here to praise and magnify the name of Jesus.
give you the praise. We're going to call on the name of the Lord this morning because he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, one more time to be in your presence this morning as we call on the name. We call on your name this morning, oh God. We actually come among us this morning, oh God, and speak to our hearts and minds like never before. Let there be a move of your spirit in the service like never before. From the pulpit to the pew, Lord God. Touch every person this morning. Touch their minds and their hearts, oh God. I pray, Lord God, that there will continue to be a spirit of worship in this place like never before. Oh God, as we gather together, oh God, like the scripture said, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as if a rushing mighty wind. Let there be a wind blow through this place like never before, oh God. We give you glory. We give you all the honor as we worship you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, church. Let's just continue to worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Battle 
Voice and shout. 
presence of the Lord is Thank you for your grace this morning. Come on, church. Let's just lift our hands and just worship the Lord this morning because he's worthy to be praised. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised this morning. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He has done so much for us. Amen. And we're here this morning just to worship him because he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. It's nothing good that we have done, but because of his grace, because of his mercies, and because of his love, he had kept us through thick and thin. When there seems to be no way open for us or no doors open for us, we have a God that continues to supply all our needs. We welcome everyone this morning to Christ Center Church. So glad to have everyone in the house of God this morning. Our online congregation, we welcome you this morning to, into the house of God also. Amen. The Bible led us to know in Hebrews not to forsake the assembling of yourself together as a man of some do. And this morning we are gathered together in his presence where there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pledges forevermore. We're serving an awesome God who is worthy to be praised. And we're going to call upon the name of the Lord because he is worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun, oh hallelujah, our God is worthy to be praised. There is none like him, there is none to compare. Hallelujah. Amen. We're so glad to be in the presence of God this morning to worship and to magnify the Lord. Truly, our God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. There's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than to be in the house of God where we can give the Lord all the glory and all the honor because he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. Everybody say it's offering time. Come on, say it's offering time one more time. Come on, one more time. It's offering time. Hallelujah. Truly, our God is greatly to be praised this morning. And we want you to give a good offering this morning. Amen. Give unto the Lord this morning. Don't forget, we're trying to get our building. And if you have, you know, we're looking $1.7 million. But if you have $100 that you want to contribute towards it, if you have $10 that you want to contribute, if you have $500,000 that you want to contribute towards the building, we want where all our family can be together in one place at such a time as we're living in right now. Amen. We, we're living a new norm, and yes, we have to make adjustment. But, you know, our God, we're served. We're able to keep us in everything. In spite of what's going on around us, we're serving a God that is able. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask you to stand with us one more time. We're going to pray as we receive this morning. Offering. Give a good offering, as I said this morning. Be a blessing unto the Lord. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this place. We thank you for your blessings, oh God. We thank you for your mercies and for your love. Father God, as we're about to receive this morning's offering, we ask your blessing upon all our givers this morning, our online congregation, that you will bless them. Oh God, those that are in the sanctuary this morning, that you will bless them, Lord God. I pray you will continue to open up doors and make ways for us, oh God. We ask you to continue to cover us and keep us. Let your will be done, your kingdom come. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Worship the Lord with us this morning in Jesus' name. Praise God.
Lord, I love you more than anything. I love that song. Thank you, Brother Scarlett. I love that song. I love that song. I love him more than anything, church. Oh, my God, I love you more than anything. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done, my soul cries out, Lord, I love you more than anything. My God. Oh, God, I love you more than anything. Does anybody love the Lord this morning? Do you love Jesus this morning? Oh, I love him more than anything. Nothing comes before him. Nothing is above him. I love him more than anything. Oh, Jesus, I thank you this morning. To be able to be in my right mind, to be able to say, Lord, I love you more than anything. Oh, God, where would we be if it wasn't for the Lord? The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so if he loves me uh, with a pure love, an undefiled love, a love that's so, it, it, it's just so amazing. I love him more than anything. Anybody love Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. This is why sometimes, Joyce, some people, you'll see tears running down their eyes. Some people will just dance. Some people will just, people just be, be, become unhinged and, and just different when they begin to think of how good God has been to them and what they know of him and the relationship they have with him. It just makes you do things just are just extraordinary and just you overemphasize joy sometimes just because of the goodness of Jesus and the only thing that we have that we can relate to it is our love for our children our love for our spouses our love for our family we do things that are just sacrificial to make sure they know how much we love them and yet and still as great as that is it does not compare to how Jesus loved us and so when we think about how Jesus loved us it just makes us lift our hands it makes us just begin to weep and it makes us begin to cry out it makes us worship it makes us pray because we understand his love how amazing it is and we have no choice but to feel pulled to love him back to adore him back because of how much he loves us so his love is so different his love is so different that even when we neglect him, even when we reject him, even when we forsake him, even when he was showing himself to be real to us and we just dismiss him, even in all of that, he still loved us and waited for us to come to reality and come to a place to say, Lord, now I understand and I love you more than anything. Lord, I love you. more than anything don't be offended anybody just know that it's right to love jesus more than anything there's nothing wrong with that it's nothing jesus couldn't even hurt you if he tried it's not in him to hurt you there are people that love us and mean wants the best for us and because they're flawed human like you are 
They can hurt you even in their love for you. The Lord Jesus cannot hurt you in no way, shape or form. He cannot hurt you. If you are hurt by him, it's because you became offended when you should have just allowed him to do what he does. Because everything he does is for your own good and it's done out of love. The Bible says God is love. So everything that he does toward us is from love. I love him. Lord, I love Joyce. Come on up for a second here. Come here. This is your spiritual birth, your birthday. So you, your natural birth, the day when you were born physically, as we talked about on Thursday, right? So the physical birth that you experienced was some time ago, and that's great. And that was a great time because you were now into this world and, you know, you were human. And, and that's great, just like all of us. But this birthday, Joyce, this is the birthday when you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You were baptized in his name meant you, you took on his name. And so now the name of Jesus is a part of your DNA. And so, Lord, the, the Lord is going to do one more thing for you because it's two, it's two birth that he gives you. So he baptized you in water for the remission of sins, and he's going to baptize you with his spirit. Woo! That's some good stuff there. So Tom is not here to take our, our, our pictures. Brother Tom, Ethan is doing your job this morning. I know, don't be offended, Brother Tom. I understand that you wanted to be here, so just I understand. But Ethan is taking a nice picture between Joyce and I this morning. No, Joyce, you hold it. I was holding your birthday. <laughs> hold it up and look at the camera. Hold it down here so we can see our faces. <laughs> Thank you, Joyce. God bless you. Amen. Either you can send a copy to Brother Tom just so he can feel good that he had a part in this, you know? Just, just Oh, that's Patrice's phone? Send a copy to Brother Tom so he feels good and know that, you know, we, we thought about him as we were doing his job. Lord, I love you more. All in love, Brother Tom. Anything. I love you, Jesus. Brother Tom, I'm supposed to do announcements, right? I worship and adore you, just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Come on, Sister Scarlett. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Church, when you can just let it flow out of your being, just telling Jesus, I love you. You see how Sister Scott just joined and started singing? She can't help it either. It just flow out of your being. When you love Jesus, it, it, Mama Allen, you love Jesus, you can't help. It just flows out when you're ready to tell him, Lord, I love you. More than anything, I can't help. I just love to tell him. I want him to know I love him. Lord, I love Thank you, Jesus. You more than anything. More than anything. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Brother Scarlett. Thank you, Sister Scarlett. Thank you, Praise and Worship Team. You all were just fantastic all morning long at the 9 a.m. service and now at the 1030 service. You all have just been amazing. You have been a blessing. You have just allowed the presence of God to just, just, you know, surround the place, consume the place. And we're grateful for just you being so 
obedient to the Lord and allowing him to direct you. I appreciate both of you and all of you that are here this morning. Those of you that have joined us, um, our virtual congregation, online congregation, amen. We're so glad to have you this morning, amen. And I pray that God is just doing something amazing in you where you are. Trust him this morning, and I believe that he will speak to your heart and that you will not be the same at the end of this service today. Amen. A couple of quick announcements. I will be very quick. Brother Tom normally do this part again. I'll do his job again. So Ethan did his job taking a picture, and I'll do his job in um, giving you the announcements. And so real quick, our next um, family Zoom meeting is February 16th at 7 p.m. Amen. We will send you out the link so you will know how to join us. And remember, we've said we do, we like to do the family Zoom meeting. It's for our church family so we can interact, so we can just see each other's face. Some people, we haven't seen their faces in a long time. Um, we know that they're with us um, online, and um, we just want to see your face, that we can all see each other's face all at once, like we're together, amen, in one place. And so Zoom afford us that opportunity. So join us at 7 p.m. February 16th uh, for our Zoom meeting. We never go past an hour. It's usually an hour or less, and we don't get into anything deep. There's no preaching going on. It's just a time of fellowship, and maybe if we'll share something um, interesting or share something or, um, you know, update you on things that we're doing in the church, but it's just for us to see one another. So join us for our family Zoom meeting. I believe you will enjoy it. Today, Brother Scarlett will have a Zoom music meeting, amen, so if you're part of, um, if you want to be a part of the music ministry, or you are a part of the music ministry, or you are audiovisual, um, we would love for you to join. Um, we will send you out the link in a little bit, and that will start 1.30 p.m. today sharp, so we can conduct that meeting, and uh, we're doing everything we can to continue everything um, as God will have it, um, what we're doing for the kingdom even in this pandemic, we're just navigating as best as we can. So join him today, um, those of you that want to be a part of the music ministry and those of you that are a part. And if you're AV, it will be a great blessing to you as well. So I uh, would like for you to be a part of that today. Amen. Don't forget, um, every first Saturday of the month is our uh, prayer breakfast. And then right after this, this, Saturday, this prayer breakfast coming up, I believe it's um, February 6th, right after that, we will have leadership teaching. And so whether you want to be a leader or you are a leader, would love for you to join us for that. So we will pray, we will have a little bit of breakfast, and then we will just talk a little bit about leadership, and we would love for you to join us for that. Don't forget our Sunday school classes. We have them on Saturdays, um, adults and children. I be, believe the adults are 1030, 11. The adults, the children are 1030, right? Children are 1030 and then the adults uh, 11 on Saturday. So join us. We want to um, see more participation. We said we're going to do some things to promote our um, our Christ-centered life series, which is our Sunday school classes, and we're going to try to promote that. Tuesday nights, if you're new in the church or you want to be discipled some more, you can join us also on Tuesdays. Um, via Zoom. If you need the link for that, we can send that to you as well. 
but we want to continue to teach and do the best that we can to reach everyone. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, Brother Henry came up this morning and he says he has his apostolic Bible. He does have his apostolic Bible. So if you have your Bible or you have a device with the Bible on it or you just want to look on the screen with us, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 10. Amen. Let's stand. Give reverence to the word of God. Amen. I've been in court a whole lot, not because I'm a bad person, but I've been in court a lot. And um, every time I go to court, um, the judge is always the last to walk in. And when the judge walk in, they say, all rise for the honorary, blah, 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 blah. And you have to rise. And um, that's right. It's right for us to do that. But I just like to insert to say, how much more is our God compared to the judge that need him? <laughs> so if we're going to get up and rise up for the judge to walk into his courtroom, then we better rise up for the word of God if we can't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a few things to share with you, and I, 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 I need to pray. After we're done reading scripture, I want you to pray that God will guide my mind and my thoughts this morning, that you will receive just what God wants you to have this morning. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse number 10. The word of God says, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him. And his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? So Jesus was having a sit down meal, and he was joined by publicans and sinners, and some of the religious people had an issue with that. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole, Need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance want to talk to you on this topic for a little while. We can be more like Jesus. We can be more like Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, will you guide my mind, my thoughts, that they will be your thoughts, that the words that I speak this morning will be your words, and that, Lord God, I will be anointed enough, O oh God, to bring forth and do what you want to be done in this house. Will you use me as your oracle, as your ready-made pen, as the one, O oh God, that will declare your word? Will you use me this morning in a miraculous way, Lord God? Allow me to feel after you, Lord God, and be in the flow of your spirit. Now, Lord, I pray for every hearer that their heart will be open, their mind will be clear, and that you will impart to them, Lord God, what they need to receive from you this morning. I pray, O oh God, that your 
presence will be manifested even before we leave this place today that we will not be the same and that we will receive all that you have for us. Lord, I pray your blessing upon this congregation here in presence and also those that are present online. Bless every congregation, bless both congregation and strengthen us today that we will not be the same. In Jesus name we pray. Let everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and reading with us. Today, North Americans lie, North Americans live surrounded by more people than ever before. There are 579 million, approximately 579 million people living in North America. Over three quarters of the population live in cities and two thirds live in the suburbs. The advent of social media and smartphones connects us technologically more than ever before. But a Gallup poll revealed that Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. I'll say that again. Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. One would think that with technology, we interact more. Therefore, there's no way we can be lonely. We're texting, IG, Twitter, even WhatsApp. We're on Facebook. You know all the platforms. So you would think that we would not be as lonely as these polls are revealing. Further, Vivek Murdy, former U.S. Surgeon General, warned in a Harvard Business Review article, loneliness is a growing health epidemic. So not only are we lonely, but it's a growing epidemic. We live in the most technologically connected age in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since 1980. A new study by Cigna reveals the depth of loneliness people are feeling. The Cigna survey, Cigna surveyed over 20,000 adults in the U.S. and found that nearly half of Americans report feeling lonely. Generation Z, which are adults between the ages of 18 to 22, is the loneliest generation. The daily routines of suburban life 
insulate people from meaningful interactions and create a neighborless culture. We are physically detached from each other. And guess what? It's not helping because we change residence quite frequently. One survey revealed that seven in ten do not know their neighbor. I mentioned this morning, I said, I know my immediate neighbors surrounding me, but I got one neighbor right next to me, not going to tell you which side of me, that I try to be friendly and try to get to know them, but they just don't give you a chance. He would come out the house and I would say, good morning, and get right in his car. Or I would see him, good morning, mm. keep rolling. I barely see his wife, barely see her. She would talk and she would talk your ear off, but you never see her. So I'm not, I understand that some of our neighbors don't want to be known but don't you stop trying to know them. They're your neighbor. And we know the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. So keep trying, even though they don't want to be known. People need a genuine community that interacts, but they are not finding it in the North American homes, whether it be in the suburban in the North American neighborhoods, I should say, whether it be urban or suburban, people cannot find a good community that interacts anymore. Communities are insulated and people do not seem to interact anymore. I teased somebody this morning. Well, I didn't tease her directly, but she kind of hinted that I probably could be talking about her. But I say, we have our nice homes with our two-car garage. And guess what? We have remote starters for our cars. And so we come out of the house and into the garage, which is connected to the house. Car's already warm because the remote starter started. The car's already warm, right? We've got a, our coffee or our tea we're sipping. And guess what? We get in the car. We say our nice, our nice little prayer, and, and then we put it in drive, and then we hit the button for the garage door to go up. And we just pull right out. Oh, I didn't say this this morning. You ready for this one? Our windows are tinted black. So they can't see us pull out. And they just know, I think that's my neighbor in there. And so this is the kind of things are the kind of life that we live here in North America. So it detracts from us knowing our neighbors. Oh, my God. Listen to this. Back in the day, I'm cutting myself now. Back in the day, when you drove a car that wasn't so new and might have been not so nice, when it broke down, your neighbor walked over. What's wrong? Man, we're so messed up. We think we're doing much better, but I don't know, Lord. So your car won't start 
And your neighbor, you know, he might have the same kind of deal where his car is not new either. And so he sees you trying to start your car and you can't get it started. So here he comes walking over. What's the matter? And you and him mess around for a minute trying to get your car started. Your neighbor. I don't think those things happen anymore. I don't think we try to start our cars anymore. And then because it can't, the neighbor look over like, oh, let me go over there and help my friend start his car. I don't think those things happen anymore. We don't know our neighbors. Our neighbors don't know us. We're insulated and we lack interaction and lack a good community. We call good community where nice houses are and the school system is good. That's good community. When really what God think of when he think of good community is people interacting. But we think we're doing real good. Me included. The results found in the Cygnus survey should create a sincere concern in the hearts of Christians that there are so many people who are unchurched that don't have a community to interact. Yes, we as Christians might find ourselves in some of those predicaments, as I had mentioned, nice homes and two-car garages, and we can pull right out. We don't have to interact. But the good news is you come to the house of God and you interact with one another, and thus you still have an opportunity to interact and have good community. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Sometimes we come and we say, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord because interaction is very important. And while we can interact via Zoom, while we can interact Facebook, while we can interact on Instagram, while we can interact in so many different ways of technology, none of those interaction will compare or can compare to in-person interaction. Thus saith the Lord, not thus saith the preacher. So while we're doing our very best and everything that we can to be sure that we're interacting technologically, we still need to interact in person to not feel lonely. Because that's what it's all about. We're experiencing loneliness at a rate where we've never experienced it. The unchurched are seeking authentic community. And the church must be that authentic, interactive community. There is no place on earth like the church. Somebody ought to say amen. There is no place on earth like the church. There's nothing like it. When people become a part of the church, their life changes for the best. Notice I didn't say better. That might sound like the proper term, but I got to go best because that's really what happens. You get your best life. You begin to live your best life when you become a part of the church. When one become a part of the church, they experience the beautiful joys of God's design for healthy community. The church is a healthy community and we need to be a part of the church if we want to experience healthy interactions. I heard what you just said. True, there are interpersonal challenges in a close-knit church community. There's going to be people that rub people the wrong way. 
There are going to be disagreements. There's going to be hurt feelings. That's all true. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a part of this community. That doesn't mean this is not the, the, the best place to be as far as a community and interacting with, with one another. That doesn't mean that. It just means it's a part of the deal. For as long as we're humans, uh, we're going to hurt one another. We're going to disappoint one another. We're going to do things to offend one another because we're all flawed human beings. Uh, but it still doesn't mean we shouldn't come together as the church. Christians should be grieved by these statistics. I know some Christians can sometimes assert their views without compassion or love. But we know this is just a small minority of the family of God. Christians are supposed to live with character, love, mercy, compassion real christians love sinners and desire genuine friendship with the unchurched if i take a survey in here today or or online uh online congregation if i take a survey amongst you how many of you bona fide authentic true christians have people that you're friends with that are not in the church i know some of us that's been in church for a long time, thought that I don't need to associate with people that are not in church. It was either spoken or unspoken. That's kind of how a lot of people operated over the years. And so by operating like that, even when we encounter people that are unchurched, we treated them like they had some infectious disease. Because in our mind, until you come to church and get right, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. That's kind of how we behave. A lot of us in church have behaved like that over the years. And I have to tell us, that wasn't correct. We, 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 we weren't balanced. Let me say it nicely. Behaving that way is not being a balanced Christian. When you're all the way over here telling people, oh, you better get right because Jesus is coming and you're just mean as mean can be and you're not showing any love and compassion, they won't listen to you. But it doesn't mean you go over here either and just go mingle with them and do all the wrong that they're doing and you say, well, I was just trying to do that to get them to know Jesus. You can't do that either. So you got to be balanced. And here is what Jesus is trying to teach us, that hopefully before we leave here today, before service is over, you will learn that balance and you can be more like Jesus. Real Christians love sinners and desire genuine friendship with the unchurched. Real Christians live for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of men. Meaning, you don't live for God worrying about what other religious people say about you. Because there are some Christians that, I don't know if we can call them Christians, but we probably better off calling them religious people. Religious people, they order their life with do's and don'ts. They don't order their life out of love. They order it by do's and don'ts. Girl, you better not do that. 
See how the religious live. Because they think they can live for God and get to heaven by following the letter of the law. Don't work like that. About to tell you something in a second here that God shared with me this morning. Real Christians realize that it wasn't, if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be? Therefore, we are always ready to reach out to others that have not yet experienced the love of God by living for Jesus Christ. And so real Christians seek to reach out. In the passage we read, we see on display the heart of God for humanity and how the church can reflect the heartbeat of God in this world. He sat with his disciples because he was invited to a dinner. Matthew, who became one of the disciples, he was a tax collector, a publican is, is what they call a tax collector. And he was getting ready to leave that world of being a tax collector and being unchurched. And he was going to follow Jesus. And, he, and he, he had a dinner and he invited Jesus for Jesus to come to the dinner. And the disciples to come. And then he invited his publican buddies and sinners. And so Jesus is at this dinner with his disciples. And here come sinners and publicans. Christ modeled compassion for the outsiders. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, for example, the outsider, the Samaritan, fulfilled the Torah by modeling kindness and love for his neighbor. Likewise, Christians must fulfill God's law through the acts of love, mercy, and compassion. In Luke chapter 10, just a little part of the story of the Good Samaritan, Verse 33 says, but a certain Samaritan, as the journey, as, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Do we have compassion on people? Or we're holding them to the letter of the law all the time. You're not right. You're not doing what you're supposed to. Or do we have compassion on people? Do we just give up on people when they reject Jesus, or do we have compassion on them? Verse 34 says, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Complete strangers. The good Samaritan illustrated the heart of God and demonstrated genuine love in action, we can tell people how much we love them all we want. But until we start showing them that we love them, all that talk is cheap. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me explain that for you more intimately. It means for God so loved this world that he became man and no longer was the invisible spirit. You couldn't see. He became man by coming into this world and giving his life for all of us that we could have eternal life. So God didn't just say, I love you and sat on his throne. He said, I love you and I love you so much that I must come in person to save you from your sins. 
So when we say we love people, it better be some actions, not just talking about, I love you. You know I love you. Okay, what? Okay, what? You know I love you. Yeah, okay, what? Anytime we utter that word love, we better be ready to show some actions that warrant sacrifice. You can't say you love nobody if you haven't demonstrated sacrifice for them. God taught us that. That's not a man thing. That's a God thing. That when you say you love someone, you sacrifice so they can be, uh, what's best for them will be done in their life. The Samaritan did allow did not allow inconvenience because we only do things when it's convenient. The Samaritan did not allow inconvenience or cost to keep him from loving his neighbor. The heart of God loves people, all people, especially those that are in need and say, God, I need you. When Christians love others as Christ has loved us, we demonstrate that we are like Jesus Christ. It's, it's time to be more like Christ by demonstrating his love for each other. And so Jesus sat at meat in the house. And the publicans and sinners came and sat down with him. This was Matthew's house where they were. And so Matthew was the host of this dinner. Let me tell you something. Jesus will never reject the invitation of a sinner who recognizes he's a sinner or she's a sinner that says, I need you. Jesus will never reject the invitation of a sinner that recognize his or her sin and say, Jesus, I need you. If you will just say to him, I need you, I realize my state that I am a sinner and I need you, Lord. Will you come and save me? If you ever communicate that with all sincerity and truthfulness, God will come into your life and he will save you. He might lead you to one of his servants or lead you to one of his servants. Oh, however he does it, he will come into your life and he will save you if you sincerely says, God, I want you to save me. I got to tell you, church, I've tried it myself. There's not been one thing that I can think of in my Christian walk that I went to Jesus about sincerely, truthfully, and say, Lord, I need you to help me with this. And he didn't help me with it. What's happened a lot of times is God can't help some of us because when we say, God, I need help. Sometimes we're only saying it because it's politically correct. God, help me because it's politically correct to say, God, help me. But deep down, truthfully, sincerely, don't mean it. And then there are others that really are truthful and sincere, but when they hear, and maybe they're not truthful and sincere, but when they hear what God is requiring of them, then they still don't do it. But if you are sincere, let me tell you something. This morning, God dealt with me on a, a single word, a single word. I was getting ready for church, and when you're prepared and you're ready to go, 
you know, I never stop seeking the Lord. Lord, is everything that you want me to say, did I put it down? Um, is there other things you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And I'm going through this. This is a routine that I go through all the time when I prepare for you all on Sunday and Thursdays and Saturday evenings I'm, uh, and Tuesdays. Every, everything that I do, for the, I'm just constantly going through. Do I, do I have what you want me to say? Is there more, Lord? What do I need to do? And, and I just keep going through my mind, just, just in thoughts, just continuously doing that. And this morning, like my routine is to do it, I'm doing it again. And the word that God dropped in my spirit was this word motive it was so riveted when he dropped motive he used me in a, a, as example because god i like what god like to do a lot of times he only talk to you about you he don't talk to you too much about other people unless you're serving god in the capacity where he needs to talk to you about someone he's only going to talk to you about you so when people like to come up you come up to you and tell you what the lord said just Listen to them politely and just walk away because God talked to us mostly about us, not about other people. Not unless you are a truthful, um, faithful servant. Every once in a while, he'll talk to you. Every once in a while, he'll talk to you about something else. And so he says, Wayne. One of the reasons why you stand here this morning. Is because of your motives. Because if you go back and you look, Wayne, there are people that did the same things you did. But they're not standing where you are standing today because their motives was different. And so I want you to think about this today and ask yourself, what is your motive? What is your motive? Is your motive Christ-centered or is your motive self-centered? Because when your motive is self-centered, everything you do is going to be end result please you. However it look, no, no matter how you paint it for people to see it, if, if your motive is self-centered, at the end of everything that you do, you're looking to get something out of it. And so, you know how you have heard me say over the years, people that's living their life following the rules to get to heaven will probably never get there. That's where it hit me at this one again. See, there are people that's trying to just, what does the law says? Okay, let me follow the law. Those people will not make it to heaven. You cannot make it to heaven trying to follow laws of do's and don'ts. That's not how you get to heaven. Do you have to do what's right? Yes, but you can't live your life just making it about a law, following a law. And so he took me back to familiar passage scriptures I've been talking about for a while. He says, look at his motive, Wayne, in Luke chapter 10. This is how recent it is they don't even have the scripture because this was a something god talked to me about right before i came out of that, left the house this morning in in luke chapter uh 10 verse 25 and behold a certain lawyer remember him stood up and tempted him that word tested tell you his motive he says now that's what i'm talking about he said he tested jesus is who he's tested he he says the lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master. He's trying to, his motive is wrong, but he's trying to play like it, 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 that's not his motive. Calling Jesus Master. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So that tells you, again, watch him, watch him. He said unto him, Jesus said unto him, what is written in the law? 
how readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. <laughs> and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, talking about the, the, the lawyer, but he, willing to justify himself, that tells you everything you need to know. He only asked the question about eternal life because what he was doing was what he wanted to do to get to heaven, not what Jesus wanted him to do. So, 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 <laughs> this is interesting. So he was doing some of the things that he thought would get him to heaven. But Jesus will always know how to deal with your inner motive. Made him ask the question. And so he was doing what he thought. So he, he thought he was loving the Lord thy God. But depending on what you think loving the Lord thy God is, is what you're doing. So he thought that by giving stuff to the poor. He thought by, you know, going through rituals of prayer, all of that stuff that he was loving the Lord thy God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul. And so he kind of skipped over that when he quoted that from the Old Testament. And then the part that says, love your neighbor as yourself, got him. Because he wasn't doing that part. And so he tested the Lord because his motive wasn't right again and said, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because some of us only want to love the lovable. We don't want to love what we would consider the unlovable. Really, everybody is lovable because the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but love to love him, to love her. And so we, 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 he wanted to, to, to get out of it. So he says, who's my neighbor? And then God gave him the whole passage of the Good Samaritan. The point is, God wanted me to mention this morning to this congregation check your motive as to why you're doing what you're doing for instance i know it seems right but living your life to get to heaven is selfish living your life to get to heaven is selfish you're doing something for your own benefit which means it's going to prevent you from loving your neighbor as yourself. Because everything you're doing is for you to get to heaven. And none of it is to do the will of God. And we can't get to heaven without doing the will of God. So when you're living just to get to heaven, you are being self-centered, not Christ-centered. You want to get to heaven. You want to get to heaven. You want to get to heaven. I know this is tough for some people. You can't live your life just for you to get to heaven. Remember what I said. Listen to this. Sean, listen. If it was right for us to just live our life to get to heaven, the day we really got saved, we would all just rapture out of here and go to heaven. If that was the reason for us to live to go to heaven. If all it was was heaven. Rosalie. If all it was was heaven, 
and when we get saved, that day we were, the day, because God knows everything, the day we really were sincere and gave our life and we just felt the glory of God, we would have raptured out of here and we would be gone. Because what more good would we need to be here for? Why else would we need to be here? If we save and all we're living for is to be saved and get to heaven, why would we need to be here after we get saved? So if all you want to be is saved so you can get to heaven, you will not get to heaven. Because your motive, motive, again, going back to that word, the motive is not legit. It's not right when you're only desiring to live to go to heaven. Now, when you get saved and you say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you get saved and you say, I want to know him, I want to interact with him, I want to fellowship with him, I want to do what he wants me to do, I want to fulfill my purpose for why he designed and created me, when you get to that place, now you get to live what we call, the Bible called, abundant life. That's how you live the abundant life is when you want to be in relationship and fellowship with Almighty God. What happened to Adam when he stopped wanting to be in fellowship with God? God, you're so good. Adam was having a great life. Having fellowship with God. And then he decided he wanted to do his own thing. And what did that do for him? Sin entered in because he wanted to do his own thing. But when you understand that this is about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and relationship with everyone else, when you understand that's what this is about, and it's not about heaven. Heaven just happened to be the place that's undefiled, that's not corrupt. And so if we're holy and righteous, we need to be in a holy and righteous place that's incorruptible. And so that's where heaven comes in. But, but what God designed us for is for us to have a life with him. Not to go to a place. As a matter of fact, if you get deep down, we're only going to be in heaven temporarily. I'll leave that for you. I'm not going to preach about that. We're going to ascend to heaven. But the Bible talks about coming back. The church and Jesus Christ. We're coming back. To the, the, you ever heard of Armageddon? Okay. Go read your Bible. So this thing that we think we're going to fight and claw and, and do everything and sacrifice to get to heaven... Just for a while. Jesus will always accept the invitation of a sinner if they are sincere and truthful. Whenever you say, Jesus, I need you to enter into my life, he will come into your life if you're sincere and truthful. And he will tell you what you need to do to be healed, to be saved, to be delivered, because that's the kind of God he is. Listen. People will always have something to say when you're not doing the tradition that people have orchestrated. And so what's not traditional is for Christians to sit down with unchurched people and have fellowship. Most church people either deliberately or not deliberately, well, I can't say it like that. Most church people either deliberately 
or ignorantly don't go around other people that are not saved. And they try to use scripture for it. God said we're not of the world. God said that we must not have fellowship with the world. And they go into all of this stuff and they try to justify it. But the only question I have for them is, how will the world hear the gospel and know who Jesus is? Because everybody is not going to get the Apostle Paul treatment. Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus and God gave him a one-on-one audience of one. Everybody don't get that. Most people are going, most people are going to get God sending his servant to you. Or sending you to his servant. That's what most people get. So the bottom line is, how will we reach the world if we treat them like they got corona? How? This is why I'm perplexed in how we're behaving in the pandemic. And I know we can go off on a tangent about different behaviors, but all I know is I am going to do my best to be saved, but I got to reach the loss. I can't be settled in my spirit, in my heart, and in my mind, knowing that people don't know Jesus. And all I can say is, what about the pandemic? Jesus know all about the pandemic, and he knew people needed to be saved in the pandemic. I got to do whatever I can to reach the loss. And if that means that I got to go where they are, I got to go and reach them I gotta do it Lord I love you more than anything this is why that song means so much to me because I've already said Lord if I say I love you I'm gonna do whatever it takes I'm gonna do whatever you command me when I say I love you there is no line drawn in the sand when I say I love you there's no limit when I say I love you Lord it means that I will do whatsoever it means I give my life I give my future I give my all to do whatever you want me to do that's why I sing it that's I love you more than anything. That's why I sing. That's why I say that the way I do, because I do. I do. I want to do everything to please God. I want to show him that I'm not just giving him lip service. I love him. And that's why I want to do the things that I do, not because of anything else. I love you, Lord. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus, and I'm not happy when people don't know Jesus and they don't realize that they're going to be lost. It's just like the funeral that I just preached this past Thursday. I know where I am. When you go in the inner city, uh, it's a lot of religious people in the inner city. And it's probably not even so much their fault. I understand that. It's a cultural thing where, you know, church become cultural. <laughs> you know, it, you know, you know they, they know how to dance. They know how to play the organ. They, you know, they know how to say the right cliches. That's how it is in the, in the inner city. And so they got this culture established, but they don't know how to be saved. And so when I go among them, I know who they are. And it just drives me crazy because I'm so concerned that they have all the right lingos. They know how to play the right keys they know how to shout just the right way they know all the right words to say when the preacher is preaching but they don't know 
power that they're not saved. They don't know. They don't know. And so I got there Thursday and I said, I said, listen, y'all don't hear a preacher like this much, but I got to tell you the truth because I love you and I'm not going to sugarcoat it and make this taste like candy so you can like it and keep on thinking, oh, you're going in the right direction when you're not. I had to give it clear and straight to them because I love them, not because I wanted to keep them going in the wrong direction. And that's what I'm going to do until the day that I die, preaching God's word, the truth and nothing but the truth with no agenda, because I have no agenda. I don't care about nothing else but saying to you uh, that Jesus wants you to be like him. Uh, Jesus wants you uh, to do the things that he does. Uh, He didn't call you to save you uh, just so you can get to heaven. That's not why God called you to the kingdom. He didn't call you just so you can get to heaven. Listen, we cannot change ourselves to become godly and saved. You can't. We need Jesus's. He needs to get involved. We need his intervention. We can want to be saved, but we will not be saved without his intervention. And so how do people that don't know Jesus get saved? Joyce, Janice knows and I know. Maybe Sister Heidi knows as well. God was dealing with Joyce long before Joyce got to this church. Joyce came to this church and she said, I've been watching this on TV. I realized this um, belief over here, nothing is happening. And she's explaining, but all I knew in listening to her, God was working in her heart. That's what we mean when we say you need God to be saved. Because no matter how much God works in your heart, you still need to say yes. You still need to be obedient. And so God will work in your heart. It's up to you now. So God worked on her to the point where she knew she needed to do something. And guess what he did? So he put Sister Hydea in her her life. You see how God works? I'm telling you stuff that I know. I don't make stuff up to bring to you. I'm telling you what the truth is and and the ways of God. And so when God started working on her and she started getting like antsy and curious and saying, okay, there's something more to this. Guess what? He just eased you, slides you right into her life, right? And so you invited her to church and here she comes and it just starts going just like that because God starts to work first, but he still needs us, his servants, his children to do the work. So it takes all of us for want to get saved how can we stay away from people when people need to be saved god is doing work in their heart but we gotta be the servants that will go to them that will do the work that it takes to get them saved jesus didn't shun anybody that decided they needed to know him that they wanted to be in his presence he never shunned any one of them And anybody, whether they're saved or unsaved, let me just focus on the unsaved. Anybody that's unsaved that requests your presence, you better go. You hear me? Anybody requests your presence that you know is unsaved, you better put down your religious ways of being and you better go. Because you don't know what God is doing in their heart. 
and you don't know if it's that time. You don't know when they're going to leave this earth. And if God send you to them, you better go. So put down your religious behavior and become godly. We must be more like Jesus. We're not trying to be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, what they did was they were religious people. They were students of the law. They wrote the law. And so they were, I'm sorry, they were upholders of the law. And so in their mind, they thought that they were the only ones that was righteous. You know what I got in my notes? Any person or any church that think that they are righteous and everybody else is wrong, God is going to humiliate them. You hear me? Every person that act like they are righteous and everybody else are sinners, God is going to humiliate you. Please, church, don't ever get that attitude that you're good and they're not. Everybody that act like that, God humiliates them. Because in God's mind, how dare you act like you're righteous when your righteousness never came by your own doing. Your righteousness has come. It came from me. It's only because you're in me can you claim to be righteous and you want to act like you are special and better than other people God will humiliate you I've seen it and every time someone or a congregation act like well we're doing it right and they're not God will intervene and humiliate you we're not doing it better than everybody else in Christ-centered church we're striving to be more like Jesus We're not doing it better than everybody else. We're striving to be more like Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're not better than anybody else. It's only because of his grace and mercy that we're here. We're not doing it any anybody else. This church is not holier than the next church. We're going to do our best to be holy. We're going to do our best to be righteous. But we can't compare ourselves to others because if they're not, we need to reach them. People need Jesus to experience change. Without the intervention of Jesus Christ, they will not experience change. And so I close here today. Where should, the Bible says in Matthew 9 and 12, the scripture we read earlier, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. And so I say to you today, where should the physician be but among the sick? (laughs) Don't listen to me, church. Anytime we think we are sick and we need help, we can believe and best know that Jesus will be in the midst of us. Here is the, for lack of a better word, the the psychology behind he inhabits our praises. Here's the psychology behind worship what happens. Here's the psychology behind the presence of the Lord. We're doing something to say I need you. When we sit still, it means that we're saying we're good. You've heard me say this before. When we sit still and do nothing and we never reach out to him, we never shout, we never cry, we never worship, we never praise, what we're saying is, I'm good. But why does he inhabit the praises? Because Jesus will be in the midst of people who say and act like they need him. But if you don't think you need him, then what need does he have to be in the midst of you? 
So that's why he never hung with the Pharisees. He never spent no time with them because they thought they were good. They thought they were righteous. They didn't think they needed anything else. And he says, good for you. Do you. But these people over here, they act like they need me. These people over here, they act like they're sick and they need to be healed. These people over here, they're calling for me to come. So I'm going over here. And y'all religious people that think you're good, you stay right there. I'm going to help those that say they need help. And I'm here to tell you, as long as I'm living for God, I need him. And I'm going to tell him I need him. And I'm going to show him I need him. And I'm going to cry out to him to say, God, I need you. And I'm going to need him until we get to heaven. Not until I walk through those white pearly gates will I not need him anymore because then I will have, the, the, you know, this invisible, this body that's indestructible. I will have that body, and so I'll be fine then. But until the rapture, I'm going to need Jesus. And so I'm going to act that way. I don't care how much I think I'm good. I'm never good enough. I need you, Jesus. Jesus is the physician for our body, soul, and mind. Do you think you're all good in your body? Do you think you're all good in your soul? Do you think you're all good in your mind? Or do you need some healing? Do you need some help from the Lord? Because Jesus is the physician and he will heal the body, the mind, and the soul. I need healing, Jesus. I call on you, Lord, because I need you to heal me. Jesus came into the world for those who are sick. Sinners, if you will. All men need healing in some way, shape, or form. But men must acknowledge their need for them to ever receive healing and salvation. If you never acknowledge it, Joyce, if you would have just kept on saying, well, you know, I feel something. God is trying to tell me something. But you just sat, never did anything about it. You couldn't be saved today. It's just that simple. You just sat around just feeling like, oh, you know, I feel like God. And you never do anything about it, then nothing would have been done. It's not until we do something about it. When we experience the presence of the Lord, when we experience God doing something, it's not until that time that we say we need you, Jesus. And so the final verse, he said, Jesus said, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. God says, I'm about mercy. He wants sacrifice, but sacrifice don't come till afterwards. Mercy needs to come first. Sacrifice comes after, but mercy needs to come first. Hosea 6 and 6, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Some people think they don't have to do what needs to be done to be saved. They think that, oh, I'll just be generous. I'll give this or I'll give that. You're just being generous. That's called sacrifice. And it's not any real sacrifice because if you got a lot and you're given a lot, it's not a big thing to God because he's saying you got a lot. Don't show off because your lot is more than everybody else's. It's not a big, it's not a lot. So a lot of people have taken a position to think that they can give their way into the kingdom or they can work their way into the kingdom or they can sacrifice their way into the kingdom. God said, no, 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 no. It starts with mercy first anyway. 
Micah 6 and 6, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of, of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He had shown thee, O man, what is good. Here we go. And what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? That's what God expects. And so those Pharisees that was all locked in in the law, he was like, look at them, hypocrites. Their hearts, their motive, all messed up. And they want to hold the law up before people, telling people you better live by the law. First Samuel fifteen twenty two when Samuel said, had the Lord has great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as it as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than to the fat of rams. I am not telling you Jesus does not require sacrifice, but mercy, humility and obedience come before the sacrifice. And so I ask you to stand with me as we close. What Jesus demonstrated when he sat down and the publicans and the sinners sat down with him and his disciples. When they sat down, what Jesus was demonstrating was this. I am here because these are the people who realize their need and welcome me. I can't say it enough. Until we get to a place where we truly continuously reach out to Jesus and say, I need you and sincerely reach out saying, I need you and be truthful to the Lord by saying, I need you. Until we do that, we're going to be frustrated. And so that's what those people were saying when they gathered together. Jesus did not come to call the righteous. Uh huh. No, no, no. He called, he came to call sinners to repentance. For the self-righteous do not recognize their sinfulness. You hear that? The self-righteous does not recognize their sinfulness. They don't. But these sinners saw their need. This was Jesus' audience. Jesus, the great physician, healed people. Of physical illness, but he knew that all people are spiritually sick and in need of salvation as well. Luke recorded Jesus's words about the Son of Man have come to seek and to save that which is lost. We can be more like Jesus. We really can. Do you need the physician today, or do you think your whole you're okay and have no need of a physician. It's one thing to admit that you need the physician. It's a whole different ball game to respond like you need a physician. And until we get to the place where we respond to him like we need him, we're going to be in a place where we don't have him the way we need to have him.
And so I ask that you take a few moments before we leave here today and go before the Lord to let him know that you need him. To let him know that you need him. And tell him to direct you and point you in the way you must go because you need him. That's all I want you to go and tell God. If, it's, if, if you have things in your life that you're like, I want to stop doing these things. These things are just a hindrance to me. Tell him that you want to stop doing these things, but you need him to help you with that. If you want to know him more intimately, tell him, Lord, I might not be doing the things I need to do to know you more, but I really do want to know you more. He's going to respond to you. But you need to now, when he responds to you, be ready to say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. That's how you know if your motives are right. Is when you sincerely and truthfully reach out to God and he respond to you and tell you what you need to do. What will you then do? How about we go to the Lord together? Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your word today and I thank you for assembling all of us, those of us that are here in person and those of us that have assembled, oh God, virtually. I thank you, Lord God, for bringing us together. And Lord Jesus, I pray that each and every one of us today will come before you with a sincere and truthful heart. And that, Lord God, we will express ourselves to you sincerely and truthfully. Lord, some of us are struggling with things in our life that we want to overcome. That, Lord, we know we cannot overcome it without you, without you intervening. So we're asking today, Lord God, that you'll help us to overcome our struggles. Help us, Lord God, to become victorious in the things that holds us hostage, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that today, Lord God, there will be healing that will take place in some of us, in our heart, in our mind, in our life, in our situation with our family, that we will experience healing and wholeness, almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, almighty God, that today change will come to every one of us, that will yield ourselves to your word, that will surrender to the instructions that we've just received today. Oh God, that we will not be, oh God, the same way, today at the end of this service, Lord God, but that, Lord, we will experience victory. We will experience change. We will experience healing. We will experience salvation. If there's somebody among us today that you have never surrendered your life to Christ and you want to be born again of the water and of the Spirit, you can do so today. You can repent of your sins today. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus today for the remission of sins. God can fill you with His Spirit today. Oh, if you will just call on Him and truthfully and sincerely ask for His help. Invite God into your life to say, God, I need you. And I've lived my life as self-centered as I have been for a long time. But today, Lord, I'm asking you to help me 
to become Christ-centered. And I can only do that with you helping me, Lord God, for I cannot do it on my own. I cannot do it by myself. Will you intervene? Will you break through into my life, Lord God, that I'm not the same, that I can be helped, that I can overcome, that I can be victorious in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way today. Lord, have your way today. We stop to say, Lord, have your way in our heart. We yield to you today, Lord God. We surrender to you today. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Father, have your way today. We call upon you. Will you hear our cry? Will you hear our petitions, Lord God? For we're asking you truthfully and sincerely to help us. And Lord, when you help us, when you come and give us instructions, when you give us directions, Lord God, help us not to be, oh God, ignorant, but touch us, Lord God, and impart your wisdom to us that we may know how to apply your will, your words, your instructions in our life. I pray your blessing upon every home here today. Lord God, as we go and we dismiss from this service, that all that's been said here today, that all the presence of God that we've experienced will not easily escape us, but your will be done. We give you the praise and the honor, thanksgiving and adoration for all these things we ask you in Jesus' name. Will you lift your hands one more time and just ask God to come into your life and do what he wants to do. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, will you come into my life and do just what you want to do? For whatever you do in my life, it will be what's best for me. Will you come into my life and do just what you want to do? And I will be obedient to follow after you and to obey you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, church. God loves you. I love you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We give you honor and praise. There is none like you. Jesus, there is none like you. Jesus, have your way. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just want to be like you, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs>